good morning, Living Hope. <clears throat> Pardon me. Matt, where'd Matt go? All right, get your Bible off my table. <laughs> That's funny. All right, man, it's good to see everybody. You guys sound great, great worship this morning, and uh, just, just awesome, awesome to come together with you all uh, like this every week and be blessed by such an incredible time of worship. That was, that was fantastic. Uh, I just want to say um, how proud I am of uh, uh, Natalia and Natalie, and uh, um, in particular, Natalie. Um, it's just been so awesome to watch her uh, grow into the young woman that she is now. And, um, you know, there's a lot of a lot of kids your age are, um, you know, completely consumed with pursuing a good time, and I see you passionate about pursuing God instead, and uh, you're an example to all of us. So thank you. Thank you for doing what you're doing. It's awesome. Awesome. Not that you can't have a good time. I really hope you have a good time. Um, but, but yeah, it's just, it's just awesome to see, see how all of that has turned out. And so, um, so um, you may have noticed in your seats, in a few of your seats, there were these cards that said uh, Memory Verses 2017. And uh, I thought it might be good. Some of you had been asking me, because from year to year, usually in the beginning of the year, we will put out different uh, challenges, reading scripture challenges, whatever. And, and uh, some of you had been asking, what's our challenge for this year? And so I thought we'd put these out there, just a different verse to memorize uh, for each month of the year. And I think you'll find that these verses are going to go thematically, um, kind of hand-in-hand with a lot of the teaching you're going to be hearing this year about uh, discipleship and some other things. But uh, So, yeah, just a personal challenge. Go as, you know, the, the Bible talks about hiding his word in our heart. And uh, there's something to... Now, if you're like me, I've, I've always you know, been the guy who said, eh, I'm not really, memorizing is not really my thing. Um, you know, I'm, I'm not very good at it or whatever. And I've actually been surprised at, uh, how wrong I've been. It turns out I'm pretty good at everything. And, um, <laughs> just teasing. And so, um, no, so like it, you know, you, you, you kind of, a lot of us have this idea, you know, maybe once you get past a certain age that it's like, oh, you know, that, that's just not, I'm not able to do that anymore. I promise you, you are, I promise you, you are. And so just, just, uh, take a little time, you know, uh, out of your week, out of your day to, you know, kind of uh, meditate on those verses and, and you'll, you'll find them kind of sticking in your heart where, where God wants them to stick. So that's a good thing. All right. Um, other thing is we are starting, uh, or we started last week, this little two week series that we're in called uh, hope and glory, where we're talking about, you know, our mission statement as a church, which is glory to God, hope to people and what it looks like to actually live out that mission statement, why that's our mission statement and what it looks like to live that out. And so on your way out the door, uh, all of you can pick up a Living Hope, Glory to God, Hope to People shopping bag since we, this will help ease the pain of living in the nanny state of California. And, uh, and so pick up, pick up a shopping bag, keep that in your truck, trunk, and uh, that'll be, uh, uh, hopefully that's helpful to you, all right? So good, all right, uh, hope and glory, talking about this, this whole statement that we try to live out, Glory to God, Hope to People. You can put up the next slide. That's our, that's our mission statement. It's been our mission statement for a lot of years. And I talked about last week how, um, you know, that statement in and of itself is not necessarily, does not necessarily set us apart from other churches. Uh, if you get to the heart of what every church is about, um, hopefully it's something similar to this. You know, they might call it love God, love others. They might call it, you know, they, they may have a a paragraph mission statement or, you know, whatever, but ultimately probably what they're saying when they boil it all down is, is, is these six words that we're saying that we want to do as much as we can to, to bring glory to God in every situation. We want to try to bring hope to people who have none. 
And, um, and so that's what the church is all about. When the church is firing on all cylinders, when the church is really uh, being what the church was meant to be, that's what it looks like we're doing. You know, and a lot of times, <coughs> pardon me, Ooh. a lot of times we can get caught up in these um, alternative missions. You know, we get, can I tell you, I'm, I'm very passionate about some things uh, in my life um, from, from hobbies to political issues to just like you all. We all have things in our lives that we're passionate about, uh, but I try to keep those passions that don't fall under this heading uh, separate. There's a place for those passions. There's a place for you to live out other things that you are uh, fascinated with, interested in, passionate about. That, that's, that's fine for you to you know, pursue those things too. But one of the things that I think we have to be very um, uh, diligent, is that the word I'm looking for? Diligent? Is that a word? It just didn't sound right in my head for a second. Diligent. Uh, as a church, we have to be very diligent to protect our mission, to protect our mission. Because when a church loses sight of what its mission really is, um, it could, things can really go wonky. Things can get off course in, in some crazy ways and, and, and oftentimes some very hurtful, uh, even abusive ways. And so, uh, so for us to protect that mission and go, no, this is what we feel like we're called to as a church and we're going to stick to things that, that apply to those six words, um, it, it just helps us keep on track and helps us you know, uh, do what we feel like God is calling us to do. So today we're going to, last week we focused on the first sentence, glory to God. This week we're going to focus on that second sentence, hope to people. What does it mean? Uh, what does hope to people mean? What does, what, does it, what does it look like for us as a church to live out hope to people? Now, I could preach a whole sermon series on just this statement, all the different ways that we could offer hope to people. And I, in fact, recently, I, a few weeks ago, I preached about serving, uh, you know, the importance of, of, of being a serving Christian and things like that. And, and so... So we hit those topics from time to time throughout the year, but I wanted to focus in actually on a couple of statements that that you may have that you may recognize. You've probably seen them around here before. There, there are a couple of our core value statements, and I think they really sum up uh, what hope to people means for us. And here's the deal: when when we're a church that's focused on offering hope to people, that actually will set us apart from a lot of churches, because unfortunately. It's not a competition. I'm not trying to do the comparing game or anything like that. I'm just stating facts that you and I both know. Unfortunately, there's a lot of churches that really get off track in that, and they're not very concerned with other people. They're very concerned about, you know, the frozen chosen that exist in their building, right? And, and so to be a very outward-focused church, I think, is inherent in the calling of every Christian, first of all. Um, but to be a very outward-focused church, it sets us up to be the church that the world is actually looking for. Because, because even, whether the church, whether the world realizes or not, they are looking for what the church has to offer. Now, they've, many of them have convinced themselves that they're not. They have positioned themselves squarely against the church, many people. But when it, when, if you were to get down to what the general person is looking in terms of fulfillment in their own life, what's missing in their life. If the church stays what the church was meant to be, they would find just about all of it right there, right there. And so when we become this church that lives out this phrase of hope to people, we position ourselves to be exactly what the world is hungry for, which is, which is fantastic. It's awesome. Like that's, that's, that's who we want to be. Um, I want to read a couple verses to you this morning from 1 Corinthians. 
And Paul in 1 Corinthians, as he uh, is dealing with this church, it's a, it's, 1 Corinthians uh, is a very interesting book in that you get to see multiple shades of Paul in this book. You see a Paul who's very concerned for this church in Corinth that he's writing to, uh, who, a, a Paul that loves you know, this congregation and, and prays for their best. And then you get to see a side of Paul where he's, he doesn't pull any punches and he doesn't mind telling them, uh, you guys are screwing up. Like it's not going well. Uh, and, and in fact, he uses some pretty strong words uh, throughout this, this, uh, this letter. Uh, because Paul, you know, it's like, anybody ever watch uh, Gordon Ramsay's uh, Kitchen Nightmare show? Best show. I love that show so much. Like, don't you wish you could have that for a job just to walk into businesses and just, just shout at them about what they're doing wrong? That's like the greatest thing in the world. I wish I could do a church nightmare show. I wish so bad I could just go into churches and go, no, you donkey, <laughs> you know, whatever. And, uh, you know, what, whatever that looks like. But I, I like to, to, and this is what Paul, kind of, Paul's the original Gordon Ramsay kind of, he is the original kind of going into this church and going, no, 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 this is not the way it should go. If a healthy, godly church should not, a church that's focused on Jesus Christ, a church that loves each other, this, this stuff should not be happening. Stop it, stop it right now. I mean, and, and so he, he has that kind of conversation with this, with this congregation. This is really awesome. I, I love it. So 1 Corinthians, we're going to start with uh, uh, chapter 11, verse uh, 17. All right. <clears throat> he says this, but, okay, so he's been, you know, Paul, you guys have heard of the compliment sandwich where you, you know, you give somebody a compliment, then you drop the hammer on them, and then you give them another compliment again. And so Paul is the originator of the compliment sandwich. So he spent, uh, you know, several chapters telling them, you know, what's great about them and Jesus and everything else. And then, then so then he says this, verse 17. But in the following instructions, I do not commend you. He's already commended them some, but not in this stuff, okay? I do not commend you in this. Because when you come together, it's not for the better, but for the worse. So Paul basically tells his church, like, when you guys do church, it's not good. It's not good. Like, it would actually probably be better if you stopped coming together, right? So he says this, for in the first place, when you come together as a church... I hear that there are divisions among you, and I believe it in part, for there must be factions among you in order that those who are genuine among you may be recognized. And then he says this, when you come together, it's not the Lord's Supper that you eat. Talking about communion, right? It's not the Lord's Supper that you eat. For in eating, each one goes ahead with his own meal. In other words, he's saying, you guys are, you guys, you know, we, we set out the, the communion elements for you and that sort of thing. I don't know what their communion looked like. It probably looked a little bit different than ours. You know, it probably wasn't tidy little crackers and tiny little cups and, you know, whatever. It was probably more organic looking or whatever. But they, but when he said, when we set it out, some of you are coming up here and you're turning it into a meal, right? And he says, one goes hungry and another gets drunk. And then he says, What? <laughs> Like Molly, my daughter Molly, she, she, she says, what the what? You know, she says that all the time. So what the what? This is Paul. What the what? Oh, are you kidding me? Do you not have houses to eat and drink in? He's like, you got to come and fill your bellies and get drunk here at church on the communion stuff. Are you kidding me? And he says, or you despise the church of God and humiliate those who have nothing. Like you think you're so great, you push aside people that you think are lesser than you so you can just go, blah. And, and then some come away with nothing. He says, what shall I say to you? Shall I commend you in this? No, I will not. No, I, I'm not going to do that. 
And so we have this situation where, where and, and if you keep reading on, in the, which I challenge you to do that, do that, keep reading on in that chapter, he lays out some other things too that are kind of unhealthy, dysfunctional church type of stuff. But he said, you've got this whole atmosphere around there where there's fighting going on. You know, when, you know what happens in church when, when fighting starts to happen? Like real ugly. I mean, you know, disagreements is one thing. Disagreements is part of human nature. And, you know, I'm sure there are things you disagree with me on. What, what, that's perfectly fine. Disagreements are, are all well and good. But like fighting. Like when you start digging into fighting with each other as church members, do you know what that basically says is, I feel like I'm more important than you and you need to realize this. That's kind of what it boils down to. And he's looking at these people going, you, you approach church in this way uh, uh, that's kind of like, um, I'm the most important person in the room. I need to get my way. If I don't get my way, you're going to hear about it. Um, I'm the most significant person in the room, so get out of my way. I want to be first at the community table so I can take as much as I want. Um, you know, it's all about this very kind of consumeristic view, attitude towards church. It's what can the church do for me? And if the church isn't doing for me what I think they should be doing, there's going to be hell to pay, right? It's that kind of attitude of, of, of what, can, you know, I approach church in, in terms of what can I get out of it? What can I get out of it? Guys, I don't know if any of you have ever been a part of churches inhabited by by people with this kind of attitude, but it is a cancer in that church. It, it sucks the life out of the entire congregation when, when that's the case. It is just ugliness. It's just evil, and it's ugly. It's ugly. And we don't want to... Now, I'm preaching to the choir this morning because, thank God, Living Hope is not that kind of church. But we're not that kind of church because we are very careful to teach on a regular basis and, and lead in such a way on a regular basis that we, we don't become that kind of church. Because here's what I know about people. This, this kind of stuff is inherent in human nature. If, if leave it to go out of control for a little while. Leave, leave the garden untended, and those weeds will rise up. They absolutely will. And so we have to be the type of people who will go, no, not on my watch, not in my church. That's not what we're about. That's not what we're about. Now, I don't know about you. That's the kind of church I want to be a part of. Like, I want to be a part of a very loving, genuine, caring, compassionate church that reaches out, that offers hope to people as, as well, you know. But I also want to be a church that realizes if we're going to be able to offer hope to people, we occasionally have to do some weeding among in our midst. Otherwise, the weeds get out of control and we can no longer offer hope to people. And so we are lovingly uh, diligent to do just that. We want to make sure that we stay, that we keep the main thing, the main thing. And you guys do a fantastic job of keeping the main thing, the main thing. This is one of the things I love about living hope. And you, if you've been here very long, you've heard me say this before, but it is, it's always been that church, or at least as long as I've known it, it's always been that church um, where people come together out of genuine love for each other. I can remember and I, uh, my very first Sunday here, you guys flew me out from Missouri. And my very first Sunday here, uh, I can remember before and after service, seeing little pockets of people with hands on shoulders just praying for each other. Not saying, I'm going to pray for you, but actually stopping to pray with that person. 
And, and that is still a very regular thing in our church today. Stick around, look around after church. You're going to see that. You're going to see people having conversations and somebody saying, oh, I'm having a rough week or whatever. Hey, let's, let's pray. Let's pray about that. Uh, like that kind of genuine compassion and concern that is not just, you know, like I tend to be, which is very, I'm a very task-driven kind of personality where it's like I'm constantly thinking about the next thing I got to do. And, uh, and, and, I, and the Holy Spirit kind of has to pop me on the back of the head once in a while and go, stop, take a moment. It's not about that. It's about people, you know. And so I love that you guys are such an example to me in that, such an example to me in that. It's, it's, it's awesome. It's beautiful. Now, one of our core value statements is this statement. Go ahead and put it up. It says this, that the church does not exist for us. We are the church and we exist for the world. The church does not exist for us. So if you, now, now here, here's the thing. If you're brand new to Living Hope uh, or any church for that matter, if you're brand new to a church, one of the things that you do when you first walk into a congregation is you start to assess, is this going to be a good fit for me and my family? You know, is it going to be able to meet the needs of, of my family the way it is right now? Or, or, I mean, you assess that. Is the teaching such that I connect with it? Is the worship such that... I feel like I'm actually able to worship when I'm here, you know. And so you, you start, you know, you may not even think, be conscious of thinking those thoughts, but you, you're making those assessments in your mind. And you're thinking, that's, that's all well and good. But months later, years later, if you're still approaching church as to what can I get out of the church, um, that you don't have a very healthy relationship with the church. That's not what church is meant to be. Now, and, and we tend to, you know, I tend to be one of those people that says, you know, if you're, uh, you know, if you're, complaining and not doing anything about the situation, you're kind of part of the problem. And it's fine if you see things, we're under no illusion that we're doing everything perfectly around here, right? It's fine if you see things that we could be doing better. Like, can we all agree it would be better if our kids had some heat? That would be awesome. 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 Right. We're working on it. I promise we're working on it. But, but I mean, there are things around here that we could, we could definitely be doing better. Um, and it's fine for you to go, um, yeah, I, I noticed this, and I think we could be doing this better. That's fine. It should also be followed, with, followed up with, how can I help? How can I help? Anybody can look, anybody can do the, you know, the Gordon Ramsay thing and kind of look from the outside in and going, this is garbage. Anybody can do that. Everybody loves to be a critic. I mean, wouldn't, wouldn't you love to have the job as a critic? Oh, that's fantastic, right? Just look at things and complain and, and go, that was horrible. And, you know, that, anybody can do that. Or you can actually be a person who accomplishes something in this world and actually create, actually get in there and, and, and try to make a difference. And that's what we, it's that attitude of this church is not here for me, even though I know it's a group of people that they're here for me. They got my back. This church is not here for me. We are, because this is the way, it's the, difference, it's the difference between approaching the church as an organization versus an organism. When you approach the church as an organization, then it's just something that you're looking to call, you know, quality control and complain about and make it better. You know, I want to call, give me your district manager, uh, you know, whatever. I mean, you're, you're just, you're, you just want to get in there and complain because that's how you approach organizations. But an organism, a living entity, a body, a group of actual people, when you, when you see the church not as an organization, not as a building, but as these are my brothers and sisters in Christ, we make up the church. And you're not here for me. Can you agree with that? Yeah. I'm not here for you. We are all together here for the world, for the cause of Jesus Christ. 
That's, that's, and when you, when you have shift your focus about church into, into to that, that's when we can start getting, that's when beautiful things start happening. When we can start getting some serious good done in this world. We are the church and we're here for the world. I said a few weeks ago, and I mean it. And one of the things I love so much about Living Hope is that it feels less like a church and more like a movement. We're about doing something. We're about, uh, we, 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 there, there's, there's mission. There's drive behind what we're doing. We're not just meeting uh, for the sake of meeting. Like, and I've been a part, when, I've been a part of churches who have this backward, who a, a people in those churches, kind of power players, power people in those churches who kind of approach that situation as, yeah, if I'm not getting what I want, then you're going to definitely hear about it. I've been a part of churches where, where people uh, kind of collectively, you know, there was something going on that they weren't that crazy about, uh, not sinful, just direction that they didn't want to go or whatever, and collectively get together and they, and, and with this kind of uh, uh, decision, let's stop giving and starve the pastors out, right? That's just, that's just flat out evil. And I'm going to tell you, it won't work around here. I mean, look at me. I obviously don't care that much about money. <laughs> Right, like it's not gonna work. It's not gonna work around here. And and, and I, again, preaching to the choir. That's not you all, and I, and I love you all for that. I love you that you have that healthy attitude about church. That you get this statement. You get it. I, you know, one of our biggest fears. Uh, you know, whatever it's been, fifteen, sixteen months ago when we moved into this building. One of our biggest fears would, was we would lose that spirit of you guys really got it that the church was the people, not a building, right? And we were, we were a little fearful of once we get our own building, will that change? Will we become more about the building or whatever? I'm so happy to say you guys have kept that spirit. It's been awesome. It's awesome. Let me read another passage to you. 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 9, a little earlier, verses 19 and 20. It says this. For, Paul says, For though I am free from all, I've made myself a servant to all, that I might win more of them. To the Jews, I became as a Jew in order to win Jews. To those under the law, I became as one under the law, though not being myself under the law, that I might win those under the law. To those outside the law, I became as one outside the law, not being made outside the law of God, but under the law of Christ, that I might win those outside the law. To the weak, I became weak, that I might win the weak. I've become all things to all people, that by all means I might save some. I do it all for the sake of the gospel, that I may share with them in its blessing. I love Paul's attitude in this. He, is basic, he basically says that the way I approach my mission, this mission that God has put me on, is that the needs of the people I'm trying to reach are more important than my own ideas, opinions, whatever else, my, even my own personality. Like, I've made it a habit of putting others first. When I was, uh, uh, the, my first role as a youth pastor, I was uh, in the East Bay. And, um, uh, you know, for, I, for about six months or so, uh, the first six months or so, I was really trying hard to make good connections with the kids in the youth group. And it just didn't feel like anything was happening. I couldn't, you know, I don't know, I couldn't get a lot of interest in them being, just uh, forming a relationship with me as a youth pastor. I was really struggling in it. And, and I remember... Um, there was um, uh, once or twice that some of the guys in the youth group had said, hey, we've, we paid for the, back then it was WWF, not WWE. WW, we paid for the latest fight, you know, the, the Rumble or whatever they used to call them. We, we, we've paid for the latest pay for everything. You want to come over and watch it with us? Now, I had no interest in professional wrestling at all at that time, like none. 
And, and I was like, ah, it's not really my thing, right? And, uh, and that happened about two or three times before this knucklehead finally got the fact that they're actually reaching out to you, inviting you into their world. And so I became a wrestling fan in order to win wrestling fans, <laughs> right? I, became, I, I, I stepped into that world as ridiculous as I may have thought it was. I stepped into that world and, and, and learned about all the different factions that took place in WWF. And I learned about all the different, uh, you know, I, I, I became a student of the WWF so that I could reach these kids and have conversations with them that might turn into more meaningful conversations, right? It's the same thing. It's not about you. Look at the people that you're trying. I mean, think about, think about your own relationships right now, your own, your coworkers, your friends, your family members, your kids. What ways are they actually inviting you into their world that you are turning them down on, right? What ways are they actually inviting you in that you're going, oh, it's not my thing, or don't bother me with that, or, you know, I'm not interested in that, when they're inviting you in. And you're inviting them to church, right? Come to church. Oh, I can't believe they won't come to church with me. Well, go to a wrestling match with them first. You know, I mean, do something like that. Here's the thing about, uh, well, let's put up this next statement. Then our next, this is one of our core value statements is this. We'll do anything short of sin to reach people who don't know Christ. We'll do anything short of sin to reach people who don't know Christ. To reach people no one's reaching, we'll have to do things no one is doing. Here's the thing about, you walk into any church across this country, and by and large, they're pretty much doing the same things. And we want to be a people, this is something that we talk about a lot in leadership, we want to be a people that's constantly looking at uh, the atmosphere around us, uh, the environment around us going, um, what's missing? Where could we fill in a gap in this community that no one else is filling? What, where, what's a, a group of people that we could reach into that no one else has, has been able to reach? What's a, you know, we don't want to just replicate the same things. You know, there's reasons that you know, we don't have a summer sports camp because Cornerstone does a great summer sports camp. and We don't need to compete with them on that, right? We don't, we, as of yet, we may do it someday, but as of yet, we don't have a VBS. Why? Because other churches in town do great VBSs and we can just promote theirs and, and, and encourage them and support them in theirs. We want to find out what's, what's the thing in our community that's missing. Let's fill that hole. Let's do something that no one else is doing so that we can reach people that no one else is reaching, Right? This is, this, is, this is what drives a lot of our conversations in leadership. This is where we actually depend on a lot of you all to kind of, because a lot of times we're, we can be a little uh, detached from what's going on in the, in the community. This is where ideas from you all can come in handy where we, we say, you, know, you might say, don't come to us with, with all the other churches are doing this, we should do this too. We don't want to hear that. What we want to hear is there's a need for this in the community no one's reaching. That's where we'll gain some traction. That's where we'll start reaching people that no one's reaching, right? That's where it gets really beautiful when we offer hope to people who no one else is offering hope to. Now, the tricky thing about that is we may end up attracting people. When you offer hope to people who have none, you, have, you attract very hopeless people, right? And, and ministry to hopeless people can be kind of messy. It's not tidy. It's not... You know, they don't always come to church exactly the way, you know, you maybe grew, or grew up being taught you should come to church. They don't always, their language may not be what you consider the greatest language in the world. You know, their, whatever, their habits, their, their, their circle of friends might be something that makes you uncomfortable. But can I tell you, um, I got to be careful. I'm not going to be careful. Oh, yeah, I'm not going to be careful. Here we go. So I'm, 
Like, can I tell you what we don't need at Living Hope? We don't need another holy person. We need some real people. Some people who have a genuine, broken, uh, sometimes victorious, sometimes stumbling relationship with, with their Savior. They're not perfect. They're not, they're, not, they're not holier than thou. They're not anything like that. Some of you have grown up in churches. If you're like me, you grew up in these kind of churches. You grew up in churches where everybody showed up to church with a mask on. Nobody wanted to get real about what was actually going on in their lives. Say, how are you doing, brother so-and-so, sister so-and-so? Oh, everything's great. I just, I'm, so, I'm so blessed. Meanwhile, your life and your family's falling apart. And we need people who will show up and be who God has made them to be. We're not, we're not starving for holy people. We're starving for disciples with authentic relationships with Jesus. That's what we want. That's what we want. So leave your, leave your, check your holiness at the door, your holy mask, I should say, right? Don't, you're not fooling anybody when you walk in these doors. We, we don't care. We're not impressed. Look, look at us. We're not impressed. Not impressed. Just come in and be who God has made you to be. Live in the reality that you currently live in and, and submit yourself to God and pray that he can do more with your life than you're able to do with it yourself. And this is what I know about people who are far from God. When they see that, you, you, we won't be able to keep them away. When they see the other, when they see a bunch of people coming together pretending everything's all right, they see right through it. They don't want any part of it. They do not want any... You lose all opportunity to offer hope to people who need hope when you put the mask on. Get rid of the mask. Get rid of the mask. Let's just be who God has made us to be. Let's do that. When we do everything that we can to offer hope to people who have none, to reach people that no one is reaching, to start doing things that no one is... One of my least favorite phrases that I hear from time to church, time in church is when somebody throws out an idea and it gets laughed off and they're, oh, we can't do that. That drives me nuts. Uh, now, now we're going to do it just because you said that, right? Right? Like, like I, we can't do that. Like, again, we're, we'll do anything short of sin to reach people who don't know Christ. We'll do anything short of sin. So, open yourself up to new experiences. Open up yourself up to actually diving into some messy situations with people. Now, let me, let me give a little caveat here. For those of you who are teenagers in the room, uh, when I say we'll do anything short of sin to reach people who don't know Christ, um, for you guys, that aspect of respecting and obey your parents is, is a sin issue for you. And so while you're living under their house, under their rules, Respect them and obey them in that. For those of you who, so if they, if, if you feel called to, you know, or or motivated or whatever to, to go into a situation that your parents aren't comfortable with, and they kind of shut the door on that, have a conversation with them out and try to get them to hear your heart. That's fine. But if they if they shut that door, then respect that. Respect that. For those of us in the room that are adults, that maybe the only person that's telling you you can't do is something is is you. Because what would people think? I can't invite that person to church because if they sat next to me, what would people think? Or, or I, can't, you know, I can't go into that situation and, you know, gosh, they drink beer over there. Well, okay, go have a beer to the glory of God, all right? 
like get in there and, 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 and actually build a relationship with somebody. Anything short of sin. Anything short of sin. Now, if your conscience convicts you about certain things and you know, like for you to share a beer with a buddy and, and talk about Jesus, is, you can't do that because you've got a problem with abuse or you know, alcohol. Okay, that's fine. Stay away from that. that. We're not encouraging you to do that. I'm just saying anything short of sin. Be open to it. When people invite you into their... How many times have there been people in your life that you've been praying for, wishing you could get them to come to church, and they've invited you to something... And you've turned them down because you didn't really be around the element that they were inviting you into. Again, be open to those invitations. Get into there. Now, there's a difference between um, going into those places, into those situations, into those relationships with the goal and with the mission of leading people to Christ versus allowing someone else to pull you down into a pit that could be unhealthy for you. And you have to have the wisdom to distinguish between the two. You have to have the wisdom and prayerfully distinguish between. If you know you going to a certain situation, you know, hanging around a certain group of people, whatever, you know your weaknesses, you know your baggage and your history, you know the, the triggers that you have that could cause you to make some destructive decisions in your life. If, you, if, if it's a situation where this might trigger some destructive behavior in your own life, then exercise some wisdom and know what your limitations are. That's, that's perfectly fine. But again, we'll do anything short of sin to reach people that don't know Christ. Like, can I just challenge you to join me in that kind of attitude? Like, let's be that church. Let's be that church that we put the holy mask aside. We want to embrace genuine holiness. Like, we don't have, want to feel like we have to put on a mask, right? Embrace genuine holiness in your life. Allow God to change you and transform you to where you begin to look more and more like him. That's genuine. You pretending, showing up to church and pretending to be somebody that you're not at work or at school, that's just a mask. So embrace what the, the changes that, the genuine changes that God has for you. Allow him to transform you into that person. But stop pretending. You're not doing us any good. You're not doing yourself any good. You're certainly not doing the world around us any good. Stop pretending. Be genuine. I love this church so much. And the number one reason is that it's a room full of genuine people. It's people who I, lo- I love. I'm, now, I grew up in the Midwest. I'm going to close with this. I grew up in the Midwest, uh, Oklahoma area, and um, Bible Belt type stuff. And for those of you who have lived out there, you know what I'm talking about. But it is, it's a different world in that, um, again, everybody's got it all together. Nobody has it all together, by the way, but everybody has it all together. And so nobody's going to confess anything. It's all, every, every problem that anybody's struggling with is going to stay hidden. It's going to stay private. It's going to stay, you know, so the, the masks come on, right? I love so much that one of the most beautiful things to me about this congregation is that you all have regular conversations with me and with each other about the things you're actually struggling with about the sins that you're being tempted by and actually committing. You put it all out there and you go, yeah, I'm, I'm, this is me. This is who I am. This is what I'm struggling with right now. I need your prayer. I need your prayer. What can I do? I mean, you, you, you confess that and that's beautiful. That's beautiful. That's, that's authenticity. That's you not trying to pretend somebody that, that you're not. So let's continue to be this authentic body of Christ. Warts and all. 
Because when God looks at us, he doesn't see all those wars. He just sees Jesus. He just sees Jesus. So give him the opportunity to glorify himself in us. Like, who can God more glorify himself in? Somebody who's got it all together and never appears to have a flaw? Or you and me? Right? Yeah. And so let's be that. Let's, 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 let's give God the maximum opportunity for glorifying himself in us. Right? Let's do that. And just stop pretending. Because when we do that, we position ourselves to be a people who can actually offer hope to people. That's what we want to do. Because ultimately, us offering hope to people is not about thinking of a great new program. Creating another you know, service or another uh, Bible study group. Or, uh, us offering hope to people looks like us living in relationship with them and showing them what Christ has meant to us in our lives. And when people get a taste of that, you won't be able to keep them away. You won't be able to keep them away. Let's be that church. Amen? Amen. All right. Would you pray with me this prayer um, from Matthew chapter 6? Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Father, we love you so much, and we thank you for your word to us today. And we thank you that um, you do embrace us just as we are. And you don't expect us to be perfect, and you don't expect us to have it all together. Uh, You just uh, expect us to hand our lives over to you and follow you. And some, some days, God, we follow you well. And some days, we not so much. And, uh, but you are faithful to us. Your word teaches us that you cannot be unfaithful to us. And we thank you for that. God, we want to be a church of people who, uh, who do this thing of, of sharing the good news of you to the world around us in a meaningful and a real and an authentic way. And so help us with that. God, help us to put aside the fears we have of our reputations and of what people might think and everything else. God, instead, help us to just um, chase after, pursue people who are far from you and, and, and do our best to introduce them to you. God, give us wisdom to know when to live in relationship with those people and, and, and just do friendship and just do hanging out or whatever and when to speak up and have a more meaningful conversation. Give us wisdom in that and create opportunities for us. Would you just throw opportunities like that in our lap where we couldn't uh, hardly miss them? Uh, And the people in our lives that we're trying to introduce to you and to reach out uh, to, would, would you just spur questions in them that would force us to give the answer for the hope that's in us? We love you. We thank you for placing us on this mission field, in this time, in this place. We take it seriously. So help us to live on mission here in our communities for you. For all this in Jesus' name, amen.